This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. back to the show where every week we go exploring in the pursuit of awesome. You can count on us to keep you informed of all the best shiny things out there when we share our awesome of the week. In each episode, we also take your questions and bring you the answers you need to help you uncover all the awesome within your own life. My favorite pop culture guru, Rebecca, is here with us today, and we have got a big, big episode planned for you, all about uncovering the awesome of YouTube. We had a listener question about kids and YouTube, and it sent us way down the rabbit hole with things that we think you should know about this highly entertaining, but sometimes puzzling part of our culture. So we're going to cover things like, um, what is a YouTube channel? Why would you subscribe to one? And just how much money are these YouTubers making anyway? In fact, I think I can even twist Rebecca's arm a little bit and get her to tell us how much money she made from her own recent viral video. Now, normally we would start things off with Awesome of the Week. However, we have just a little bit of housekeeping to cover first. This is episode 21 of Sorta Awesome. And since we have 20 episodes under our belt now, we thought it would be a great time to ask some questions of you guys so you could tell us a little bit more about yourselves. So we have created a survey. If you go to the show's Tumblr, which is sortaawesomemegan.tumblr.com and click on the survey tab, you'll see a link to a survey and it will take you only just a few minutes to fill it out. We would just love to hear a little bit more about you, where you are, and what you like about the show. So if you have just a few minutes to go fill out that survey, we would appreciate it so much. It's really helping us think about how we can grow and shape the direction of the future of this show. Now, we've already asked the newsletter group and our hangout group on Facebook to answer the survey questions, and I have to tell you, there have been some surprising answers. For example, I was surprised to find out that we have a handful of guys who listen faithfully to the show every week. Um, so if you're out there and you're listening and you're a guy, you need to make sure to take the survey so that we can count you amongst the people that are listening to the show. I have to tell you, I was super surprised that so far the state with the highest representation of sort of awesome listeners is California. 
California is way ahead in the polls on this one. I was really surprised. Where are my Oklahoma people? I thought you would be better represented. So wherever you are, wherever you're listening, please take just a minute to go to the Tumblr, click on the survey tab and take that survey for us. So now we are ready to go on to the show with our awesome of the week. And Rebecca, you ready to get us started? I am. So my awesome of the week is actually, it could be my awesome of the summer. Oh, wow. Last month, my husband and I went to the Outer Banks in North Carolina on vacation. We went with three other couples that we're good friends with, all in honor of our 10-year wedding anniversaries. They're all happening this year. And we all left our children at home. It was amazing. I bet. I bet. How could it not be? <laughs> it was so amazing. Um, we didn't leave them home alone, of course. Um, <laughs> my, my children went to Ohio to stay with my parents for the week. And everybody else found childcare for their children. And, you know, I was really nervous about it, about leaving my kids. Sure, yes. Wait, no. So is this the first time you had left your kids for a long time like this? Most definitely. Um, okay. Grace is five. She'll be six um, just next month. And the longest that I had gone without seeing her was probably about 48 hours or so, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, but for Noah, it was just like overnight. And he's like three years old. Right. So uh, my heart was heavy. I was nervous. I was anxious. I was scared about my mom calling and there being tears in the background. Oh, sure. Yes. Yeah, it was. I was just really, really nervous, but it went fabulously. Oh, good. My kids had a wonderful time in Ohio, and obviously, we had an amazing time going to the beach and just reconnecting with our spouses, um, deepening friendships, kind of just remembering what it's like just to be a wife and mm -hmm. just to be a woman rather than being a mom all the time. Mom around it the was, clock. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was phenomenal. I would say a really good example of that was one night we were trying to decide what we wanted to do after supper. We were interested in leaving the house as, together as a group and we checked on our on the online and saw that a movie was showing that we all agreed on, but it was showing in like 15 minutes and the theater was just like five minutes down the road. Well, we went. Like when can you ever like get ready that fast, get out the door and get to a movie theater just 15 minutes before the movie is supposed to start. That if happens kids, never. Absolutely never. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. So th this is my awesome because it just, number one, it was so refreshing to me, but it really made me passionate about remembering to take that time for myself for me and my husband, um, all throughout the year. I think we often hear preached how important date nights are, but they're not always super practical. Oh, it's sure. not not right. everybody has the money to pay for a babysitter or has the family around to 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 have them watch the kids. Not everybody has kids. Some some people just need to schedule time for themselves that's just different than the daily grind time out with their girlfriends, maybe even time to themselves. And so my challenge to everyone listening is I want you today to get out your calendar and schedule something. Take time for you, for your spouse, whatever it looks like. Take a mental vacation day from work and just just remember what it's like to just like feed into you and who you are. 
And because this is a struggle, I have some, a struggle for some people, you know, not everybody has the babysitting capabilities to take a whole week off and go to the beach. I understand that. So I have some ideas for you. Number one, do a babysitting co-op. Find a friend of yours who also has children and swap babysitting. You watch their kids one week and then maybe in a couple weeks they watch your kid and you swap in and out and then you can have that built-in date night through the co-op method. Number two, stay at home date nights. Put the kids to bed maybe a little bit early and you and your husband can find something fun to do at home. Maybe make a special meal. Just search Pinterest. There's like thousands of ideas for stay-at-home date nights. Third option is something that came from Tish Oxenrider of the Art of Simple blog and the podcast, The Simple Show. She talks about Tate nights in her house. Yes. Her oldest daughter. I remember that. Yes, I remember that. Uh-huh. Her oldest daughter's name is Tate. And when she wrote about this on her blog, Tate was eight years old and she had two younger brothers. And she had been really asking for responsibility to babysit and to be in charge of her brothers. And so Tish and her husband decided to do Tate nights where they would make something really simple for their kids and then they would put Tate in charge while they ate, the kids ate their supper, and Tish and her husband would escape up to their bedrooms with something more fun to eat for supper. And I don't know, maybe they would watch a movie on Netflix or whatnot. Then after supper, the kids would put everything away, they put on their pajamas, they would watch a movie, and then they'd get ready for bed after the movie. Tate would read them a bedtime story, and then she would knock on the parents' door and tell Tish that, hey, everybody's in to bed. They would go give goodnight kisses to everybody and then be able to continue their date night however they saw fit. I love that. I love that, especially as my girls, um, Daisy and Tate, my oldest Daisy and Tate are actually almost exact same age. And it has been so wonderful with having the older girls who can keep an eye on our two-year-old twins when we need to do a little escape night like that. So I loved when I read that from Tish. I, I hadn't thought about that in a while, but that is such an excellent idea if you have older children or even if you have children in your neighborhood or possibly, you know, like their little cousins or whatever who are not quite old enough to be in charge of kids and so supervise the younger kids on their own. But if you're in the house just, you know, watching a movie or whatever, it would be okay for them to be overseeing the kids. So it's it's such a exactly. fantastic way to work that in, in a really budget-friendly, frugal way to have that time to get away. Exactly. So. It's about thinking outside of the box yes. of hiring the babysitter, right? Yes. Um, we can leave a link in the show notes to Tisha's article that she wrote about it on her blog, um, if anybody wants more information on how she did it. And then my fourth idea would be Okay, so Nate and I, we went away for a week. What if you can't go away? What if you don't have somebody to watch your kids or you simply don't have the finances to do that? If your children are in school, maybe you could take a staycation while your kids are in school and then you have all morning and most of the afternoon for you and your spouse to do whatever you want. If you're a single parent, just to have that breathing space to just invest in yourself and then you can plan some fun activities in the evening. 
I love it. I love it. That is so good. I think you're right. I, I know um, sometimes I get a little bristly about when I read things like, oh, you've got to do date nights and they have to look a certain way and just hire the babysitter. You just got to make room in the budget. But we have spent many a year when there just was not room in the budget to be made for a date night. But I think you're so right. You can still challenge yourself to think outside the box, to think of non-traditional, non-conventional ways to make that date time or that getaway time, or like you said, even just that self-care time, uh, make it happen. So I, I'm going to take up your challenge there, Rebecca, and look at my schedule right now because I I can be the worst about putting things actually on the schedule and making plans. So I'm going to take your challenge on that. That is such good Excellent. inspiration. Such a great awesome of the week and awesome of the summer. Definitely, definitely. Now, Megan, I am excited to hear what awesome of the week you are bringing for us. Okay, I have a great one, and I'm going to confess to you that I am completely ripping off Jamie Golden from something she mentioned on the podcast. You all who listen to Sort of Awesome regularly know that I can't stop, won't stop with my love for the podcast. And Jamie mentioned this on a recent episode of theirs. It was something I had not heard of before, but it is changing my life every single day. Oh my goodness. What is it? Yes. It is called The Skim. S-K-I-M-M. Have you heard of this? I have not. Okay, so what the skim is, it is a daily email update of basically what you need to know, current events, and news-wise. Here's the thing. So you know our friend Callie Gordon, one of the other co-hosts of Sword Awesome, is totally into the news, watches the news, listens to NPR like all day long. Yes. She's yes. a go-to on current events. Um, I'm like the exact opposite of that. I never watch the news. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> I don't either. I really don't. I'm so bad at that. Well, a huge part of it, two factors contribute to this news delinquency on my part. Number one, we don't have cable and we actually have never even gone so far as to get the little thingies that you need to attach to your TV to get your local channels. We're just okay. that lazy. So <laughs> we don't have that. But then number two, even when we did have cable, I struggle with the news because I'm a highly sensitive person. And there's a lot of really upsetting stories that get reported in the news. And I know that I'm being a baby about it, I guess, or not very adult. But I am the kind of person that if a news story is really upsetting, really graphic, especially things that involve children, I just keep thinking about it and dwelling on it all day. And it's really difficult for me. So a long time ago, I stopped watching the news. But here's the problem. When you don't watch the news... Sometimes you can feel like a real dummy when it comes to current events. When people just mention something in passing, you're like, no, wait, what? I don't know. <laughs> I have so been there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it's not just me. So here is the thing about the skim. It is an email service. It's a company. You sign up for their service. It's free. They send you the skim every single morning to your email inbox. So I have started drinking my morning cup of coffee with the skim, and I feel like I am in the loop on what is happening in the world. And what they do is they give you like little bite-sized paragraphs of what you need to know about major things, whether it's U.S. news, international news, um, serious stories, but also not so serious stories. They give you a little quote of the day relevant to what's going on in the world. Um, they have an amazing series that they've started called Skim Your Candidate. And what they're doing is they have sent out interview questions and invited every single person 
who has thrown their hat into the 2016 U.S. presidential race ring. So that's a lot of people. Yes. (laughs) They've sent these interview questions out to all of the candidates. They are all welcome to come and share their responses. And I love this because, I mean, not only do I not enjoy the news, but oh my gosh, the fact that another political season is ramping up. Oh, it makes my stomach hurt because there's just so much... Oh, so much tension and so many big feelings and so many passionate discussions. And I'm just, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're doing this again. But Skim Your Candidate is a really nice nonpartisan. Well, I mean, each candidate, of course, talks about the views that are in line with their party's platform. But it's just a great way to get an overview of who in the heck these people are. So... Yeah, the skim. I am loving it. And again, I am forever indebted to Jamie on the podcast for mentioning this because it has helped me to feel like I'm not a dummy. I know just enough about what's going on in the news to feel like I can have a um, an intelligent discussion, but I'm not having to be subjected to unsettling parts of the daily news shows. So that is my awesome of the week. Okay, well, we are going to move into our question and answer segment of the show. We actually are just going to go with one listener question that just came in in the past few weeks, um, an anonymous question through the Tumblr. And just as a reminder, anytime you have a question or a topic you'd like for us to cover on the show, all you got to do is go to the Tumblr, sortaawesomemegan.tumblr.com, click that Ask Us link, And you will find a a box where you can put in your question. You can either sign your name to it or you can ask it anonymously like this person did. And here is our listener question, which I'll go ahead and read. And we're going to cover a specific answer to this later on in the show. So our question was, Megan, I loved your tweet about your kids making your parents watch YouTube. You've said your girls like to watch YouTube a lot and that you found some shows you like to watch together. My kids aren't old enough to watch it yet, but it sounds like kids in general watch more YouTube than they watch regular TV. How do you find videos that are safe and appropriate for them to watch? So that's a fantastic question. And just to give context, here is what this particular listener is referring to. Um, A couple of weeks ago, my parents came into town for uh, a visit, and my parents are both 65. They were sitting around with my girls in the living room, and we actually, because we have an Xbox Connect hooked up to our downstairs TV, we watch YouTube through an app on the Xbox, so it's on our big TV, if that makes sense at all. (laughs) Yeah. I know. Yeah, I can follow you. Okay. So the girls were like, Hey, grandma, grandpa, I want to show you this video. I want to show you this video. So they sit down and start showing my parents again, they're 65. My girls are 10 and almost eight showing them all of these videos. And so I tweeted that having the girls show my parents all these YouTube videos was like living a one long segment of Yes, Yes, No, which is a segment on um, a podcast that I love called Reply All, where Alex Goldman and PJ Voigt, the two uh, hosts of Reply All, ask their boss, Alex Bloomberg, if he knows about these really specific internet 
memes or trends or ideas. And usually the two of them that are younger, Alex Goldman and PJ, are like, yes, yes, they know what it is. And then Alex Bloomberg is like me and always like, no, I have no idea what that is. (laughs) So listening to my girls talk about YouTube with my parents was like one long yes, yes, no. Like, girls, do you know what a viral video is? And they're both like, yes, yes. And my parents are like, no, what's what? (laughs) What is that? (laughs) So anyway, that was the, that's the background on that tweet. So, I mean, I will just totally say that I am the last person in my entire family to come around to the YouTube thing. Even the twins watch YouTube. They watch Peppa Pig, the official Peppa Pig, and the official Ben and Holly channels on there so they can get their, I guess, their British animation fixes. (laughs) We all need a good British animation fix from time to time. The twins have very discerning taste when it comes to cartoons, and they love their Peppa Pig, and they love Ben and Holly. So I am literally the last person in my family. The girls, of course, love it. And even Kyle watches it. He, he has very specific channels that he likes to watch and people he's been subscribed to for a long time. I'm the last person. Now, Rebecca, on the other hand, has really helped me, has really held my hand through trying to understand, like, what in the heck is the deal about YouTube? I do not get it. Isn't it just to go watch stupid cat videos? Well, as it turns out, it's a lot more than that. So Rebecca... With your volumes and volumes of YouTube knowledge, please tell us a little bit. Let's just start with like the history of YouTube. What's your history with YouTube? When did you start watching it and what got you into it? Okay, well, my history with YouTube would start, I I think, back in like 2006. I would say the first viral video that I ever watched on YouTube was The Evolution of Dance which was uploaded to YouTube in 2006. Okay. I don't Do you think remember? I know that way. <laughs> you don't know that video? No. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes my conversations with Rebecca are also like, yes, yes, no. <laughs> they really and then are. she's like, wait, you don't know who Grace Helbig is? And I'm like, no, who's Grace Helbig? <laughs> no. So no, I don't know that video, but I'm sure probably most people do if it was viral back in 2006. Okay. So it's this, it's this guy who's on a stage and it looks like maybe like a high school auditorium and there's this big stark white spotlight on him and he goes through the evolution of dance going through like 30 popular songs and their little dances that go along with them and he has on jeans and this orange t-shirt and I if you if you truly have never seen this video then we will have to remedy that but I suspect that if you watched it you'd be like oh yes I do remember that I, was I mean going it to was say, now that actually does sound familiar maybe I just didn't know it was called the evolution of dance or or probably I just forgot let's be honest so okay but we'll we'll you know what we'll look it up we'll put it in the show notes in case you're like me and you're like huh then you can <laughs> check it out from the show notes but go ahead yes yeah, so that's the first one you can really remember latching onto or seeing Exactly. That's the first one that I really remember watching. And then I didn't really do much with YouTube except, you know, watch the occasional weird cat video or another viral video that might have come my way. But then I would, it was probably around 2011 when I came across Hannah Hart and the video channel My Drunk Kitchen. Okay. Which that I actually have heard of. (laughs) Okay. And for listeners, it sounds more uh, scandalous 
than it actually is. Um, she is a delightful young woman who makes a lot of really silly puns. She talks about trying to see the positive outlook in life, and she is a usually a terrible cook making just this ordinary food, and she just happens to drink a lot of wine while she's doing it. Well, as you do. <laughs> right. So she uploaded a video in 2011 just as a joke for a friend. She was bored in her apartment one night. Her friend wasn't feeling so good. So she's like, I'll make you like a little TV show video. And she pulled this together, uploaded it onto YouTube, and it really exploded. And she became a bit of a YouTube celebrity. She is now. She's she's huge. She has, I didn't check, but I think she has like two or three million subscribers. Yeah. I mean, if I know who she is, she's clearly... She has crossed over from YouTube fame to regular fame because I even know who Hannah Hart and her channel, My Drunk Kitchen, are. So, yes. So she was the first video channel that I watched that I was like, well, I want to see if she does more of these. So she was the very first channel that I subscribed to. And subscribing basically means that you're saying you want notifications for when this channel uploads new content. And that doesn't mean that it like buzzes on your phone or you get an email or anything like that. There's a place where you can go on the YouTube homepage and select my subscriptions and then pull up a feed, kind of like Facebook, but it has all of the channels that you've said, I want to know when there's new content there. And then you can pick and choose from there what you want to watch that day. Right. And so let's back up just a little bit because I think that your experience with my Drunk Kitchen being the first channel that you subscribe to, I think that that really speaks to the bigger transition and bigger shift that YouTube went through. And I don't really know what year this all began to take place, but it went from a place where you would go to watch these goofy videos or these viral videos. Like the first viral video I can remember watching was that Chocolate Rain video that came out, I think it was like 2007. <laughs> It was so weird, and I didn't even find it. Kyle had Off found it. When rain. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's the one. <laughs> oh, <man>. um, <laughs> you know, Kyle was coaching at the time, and I think um, you know he, he coached college football. College kids are always ahead of the game on uh, these pop culture things, and I think his players had shown it to him, and he came home and showed it to me, and I remember thinking like, this is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. Um, but so that was my experience for a long time with YouTube. I just thought people just uploaded random weird things, either that they found like old TV show clips or old music video clips like from MTV back in the 80s, or you put your dumb home videos on there, whatever. Like I did not understand for a very long time that people created channels with the intent that that uh, viewers would subscribe to them and they like create shows or um, create video diaries or vlogs where people tune in because they're subscribed to that channel. They tune in and watch all of your stuff. So I think that your experience with subscribing, I mean, that really shows that big shift with what happened with YouTube. Do you know about what year this all started to take place? Well, yeah, let's go back a little bit to the, the history of how YouTube actually did okay. start. 
how it progressed. So the site officially launched in 2005. And in 2006, Google caught wind of YouTube and saw the potential there and bought out the founders. In 2007, YouTube formed its partner program, which I think is where things really turned and started to get serious for the creators of YouTube. Okay. The partner program is what enables people to earn money from uploading their videos. Yes. Now, that is something else that I did not know about YouTube for a very long time. I knew that when you clicked over to watch a YouTube video, more often than not, you had an ad that you had to watch. And these ads were various lengths. Sometimes you could skip them. Sometimes you had to watch the whole thing. I, I did know that Google had bought YouTube. I thought that was just Google in all of their Google glory making money off of these videos that people uploaded. It wasn't until many years later that I realized there was a partnership, as they call it, their partner program, where it's not just Google making money off of these videos. The people who upload them, the people who now create the content, they're getting a cut of that as well. Right. And so we are definitely going to dig in and talk more about the money aspect of YouTube in just a few minutes. But I want to hear more about what you have dug up for us on the timeline and history of YouTube. So after the partnership program is rolled out by Google, what happened next? Well, in 2008, the world really started to take YouTube more seriously. In fact, CNN used it to host a presidential debate that year. Oh, yes. I remember that. Okay. And then in 2009, that continued on where there was official congressional YouTube channels. The Vatican launched its own YouTube channel. There became a partnership with Vivo, which is the main, if you ever watch like a music video on YouTube, it always says like Vivo on it. Yes. That's like the music, uh, I don't even know what to say, like the music giant behind video, music videos on YouTube. They, they form this partnership that, okay, we will allow you to continue to share music videos, but you kind of need to do it like on our channels, if right. that makes sense. Oh, it totally makes sense. In fact, recently when Taylor Swift's blank space video came out. I mean, it's got like millions of views. Now I probably have, you know, a couple hundred thousand of those views. <laughs> no, not that many, but I watched that over and over. I just thought it was just so fun, such a fun video. And yes, on Vivo, that is where you go to find music videos now for sure. Exactly. Exactly. And then YouTube formed this like live streaming aspect to YouTube. And in 2012, people all over the world for the very first time were able to watch a live stream of the Olympics. That's right. Yeah. See, as you're going through all of this, I realize I'm not that much of a dummy about YouTube. <laughs> not as much as I thought, but I am still pretty ignorant of, of a lot of it. So here's something else that might surprise you. YouTube has become so massive and so huge. And it's the People on YouTube, the creators on YouTube, have such popularity that there are now conventions just for YouTube. There's Playlist Live, and recently VidCon just wrapped up. And that is where there are panels for creators to learn the ins and outs of the industry. There's meetups for fans. People are going and just ooing and eyeing over their favorite YouTube celebrities and waiting in these long lines to meet their favorite people. I mean, YouTube is a big deal. It's a really big deal to teenagers. 
probably yeah. even more so than to our generation. Yeah. But it's a big, big deal. Yes. I want to talk about the YouTube celebrity aspect in just a minute. But some of the non-celebrity ways that I think people just, you know, regular people, even people our age and older, I suppose, use it today is tutorials. I'm here to tell you that if it were not for tutorials on YouTube, there would not be a sort of awesome podcast because I taught myself all of the behind the scenes, audio editing and how to put a show together, all of that stuff. I totally DIY'd it. And I absolutely used tutorials on YouTube to teach myself how to do it. Um, A couple of weeks ago, Kyle's mom moved to a different house and he helped her with a lot of the aspects of that, including setting up her washer and dryer in her utility room. And it was um, some machines and connections that he was not familiar with. So he was just right there in the utility room, looked up, got out his phone, looked up a video on YouTube with a tutorial of how to set up that specific machine with that specific connection. I think that is something, a super practical way that people use YouTube, even if they're not like fans of the platform, even if they don't subscribe to channels. I'm sure that most everybody who's listening has looked up a tutorial for something on YouTube. And it's, it is truly mind boggling what you can find tutorials for if you just search on YouTube. In fact, I know I keep like spurting out these random things that are coming to (laughs) mind about YouTube, but I feel like I have read or heard somewhere that YouTube is like the second biggest search engine or place that people go to search for information behind Google. Yeah. Like instead of just going to the regular Google search page that people go to YouTube specifically to search for how to's or to search for uh, music or to search for a variety of things. They go straight to YouTube and look things up, which is really fascinating. Yeah, well, just like how Kyle did and how you have with your podcast, I certainly have done that myself plenty of times, whether it's a at-home fix-it-up project or something related to my blog. Um, it's, it's huge. It really is. It really is. Speaking of huge, let's talk about the celebrity aspect of it. Because of all of the things about YouTube that I really didn't get when we, you and I started talking about this months ago, the celebrity part of it was what was most surprising to me. In fact, I had asked you about it because AJ, my almost eight-year-old, is super into a family who has a channel. They, they do these daily vlogs. Vlogs are video blogs. That was terminology I had to learn. <laughs> um, and the name of their channel is really kind of awkward, but it's called the Shaytards based on um, a joke from the dad of the family who, the way I understand it, had put on a unitard. This was in college. Who knows what the circumstances were, but he put on a, a leotard and he, his name is Shay Carl, right? Is that right? Yes. Okay. And so his friends had started calling it the Shaytard and then he adapted that name to the name of their YouTube channel. So as awkward, I know, I know, as the name is, (laughs) (laughs) they have developed this whole brand and this following on YouTube. So I don't even know how AJ found the Shaytards, but she is obsessed with their family. She knows, 
She knows so much about their family. You would think they are our neighbors. She knows the parents. She knows what the parents are interested in, their hobbies. She knows all of the kids and what they're into. And so I had asked you, like, do you know anything about these people? The Shatards are like, why? I mean, they just like film their daily life and and they have millions of subscribers and people watch all of these videos. It's just them living daily life. And so I was like, Rebecca, please explain. Right. <laughs> and I cannot explain. But basically, daily vloggers with a V, it's like they're doing a do-it-yourself reality TV show. Yes, that's exactly what it is. DIY reality show. And it's fascinating what people share and it's fascinating how much people get invested in these families. Now, I myself do not watch any daily vloggers, but now that I have attached my affection to several YouTubers, if they did start daily vlogging, I could see myself like getting into it, but it really is it's fascinating. The the whole YouTube culture is just completely and utterly fascinating to me. And I already warned Megan before we started the show that I was probably going to say the word fascinating about a thousand <laughs> times. And I'm <laughs> I'm getting there close, I'm sure. It okay. just really, truly is amazing to me. It is amazing. And it is fascinating because let's talk about an even younger crowd in a different um different following of people that are really loyal fans to their favorite YouTubers. So you have, like I said, you have people like the Shaytards who are doing family life vlogs, but then you have people like Grace Helbig and Tyler Oakley and, and some people who have like come out of nowhere and have basically turned themselves into YouTube celebrities. What is going on with that? It's so true. The, the YouTube celebrities, they are beyond YouTube at this point. Um, Bethany Moda is a beauty tutorial guru on YouTube. She also does like DIY projects and just a variety of things. Well, she was on Dancing of the Stars recently, and she made it to the final four. Wow. She came from YouTube. Yes. Grace Helbig, she has a talk show that was on E! last season. Tyler Oakley has been on various red carpets events, hosting or interviewing celebrities, as well as going on like Entertainment Tonight style shows. I think he was, I'm not sure what show actually it was on, but that type of network television show. He's been on Ellen. And right, yeah. Bethany Moda and Tyler Oakley won a Teen Choice Award last season. Yes. I mean, I'm not surprised about that because I know that they are just huge amongst teenagers, maybe p even people like that are in their early 20s. Now, I have talked about before, I'm a really big fan of Tyler's podcast that he does with his best friend, Corey. It's called Psycho Babble. It's for grown-up ears, frankly. <laughs> but I can tell, just, I mean, I just enjoy listening to them because I think they're so funny. And I can tell that based on their listener questions and some of the topics they address, that they're totally speaking to a younger crowd. I'm not their demographic at all, but I still find them highly enjoyable. But so, yeah, they, there are people who have just come out of nowhere and have turned themselves into celebrities via YouTube and are now crossing over from YouTube famedom into mainstream fame. They're writing books. They're okay, going yeah. on tour, mm -hmm. having meetups all around the world. And, you know, part of me wonders if what is attracting people to them is just the publicity of 
YouTube's popularity. If, if I can explain it this way. So I'm a blogger, now a podcaster. I can look up to people who I know are ahead of me in the game, doing better, but I don't know how many people subscribe to their newsletter or read their blog on a daily basis. Goodness sakes, iTunes doesn't even tell Megan and I how many people subscribe to this podcast. It's true. It's true. Yeah. But you can go on YouTube and see exactly how many people are subscribed to a channel, exactly how many views each video is receiving. And I think that that like catches fire. You stumble along a YouTube channel that has over a million subscribers and you instantly take it more seriously. Oh, well, what does this person have to offer? A million people are invested in this guy. Maybe I should give it a try. That is really true. There is a huge element of social proof in the way YouTube is set up. It's extremely transparent, which... Yeah, like you said, it's like the total opposite of the mediums that we're used to, where it's kind of like, is this person a big deal or not? I don't know. But on YouTube, it's very clear from the first time you click on someone's video, if they have really hit their mark with their audience, if they have a ton of subscribers. Often when you're watching these videos, they will say, make sure you like this video. So they're openly asking for people to like and give that kind of feedback on the videos that they have created. So it's a totally different medium. It's very transparent. And I think you're right. I think that that social proof factor, especially for the younger crowd, is a really big deal. And let me take a moment here to just kind of do a little bit of YouTube 101 with when we're talking about subscribing, I already kind of described what that is like that you can have like a customized news feed of all the latest content that has been created by your favorite YouTubers. But now when you talk about liking a video, basically you're kind of giving it a thumbs up, almost like you would on Facebook. What that does though, it also saves it under your liked videos on YouTube. And then you can go into another filter in YouTube and you can see all of the videos that you have liked. I restrained from liking videos for a very long time because I thought to myself, well, I don't necessarily want everybody to see what I have liked or what I have subscribed to or what it's not just like on Facebook where you kind of click it and then forget it. Like (laughs) how much of this is going to like follow me around? Um, It's very savvy of you, Rebecca. I would not have thought of that. (laughs) Well, I just want for anyone who's concerned um, there in your privacy settings, you can go into your settings on YouTube and under privacy, you can select that all of your subscriptions and all of your likes and your activity on YouTube is kept private. Otherwise, you can click on somebody's um, account and you can see all of that information. I did not know that until this very minute. I just learned that. So I think I'm going to go adjust my YouTube settings. Not that I'm liking anything crazy, I mean. Well, right. But sometimes you just want to keep things to yourself. The whole world doesn't need to know absolutely everything. You know, one thing too that I will interject into what you're um, kind of going over for all of us is because YouTube is owned by Google, they have that amazing Google algorithm that takes note of what you like. And so if you like videos in a certain genre or by a certain person, then YouTube will just kind of keep suggesting, oh, hey, you liked that video, you might like this one. So that can be both a good thing or a bad thing because again, maybe you looked up something that you were really curious about, but 
you don't necessarily want to see <laughs> much more videos. Just use your imagination to fill in those blanks. But you don't necessarily want a bunch of those videos popping up in your uh, YouTube suggestions. So uh, you can kind of take advantage of that or be aware of that either way. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so you, you can subscribe to a channel. You can like videos. You can keep your uh, activity on there private if you'd like to. What else do we need to know? Are, are we missing anything of the YouTube 101? Well, I think the only other thing is that I think people underestimate what is available on YouTube for them. You know, we've talked about the music videos. We talked about the bizarre fascination with daily vloggers. Um, <laughs> but when we've talked about a little bit about like DIY and, you know, there's beauty tutorials and things oh my like gosh, that. Yes. But there, I mean, there truly is something for everybody. We're talking like sports. Yes. We're talking um, talk shows have jumped on board with oh my YouTube. Goodness. Yes, we probably I have. Should... Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying we should probably push pause right here to talk about the talk show that you and I are probably the biggest fans of. Um, and that's Good Mythical Morning, which we oh, have. Yes. We have referenced. <laughs> yeah, like, you're what? like, wait a second. What? I don't watch any talk shows. <laughs> But you and I, I think, have referenced this on this show before, and I think this is what our listener was referencing that we have talked about before, that we love Good Mythical Morning, a show created by two guys named Rhett and Link. They do a daily talk show. They're actually in between seasons right now. I think their new season starts the Monday after the show comes out, actually. And that's something that I share with my girls every morning. It's our little ritual before school as we get up and watch this little 10 or 15 minute morning talk show that's just as goofy as can be, but it is genuinely so funny. And so, yeah, talk shows are a big part of the YouTube culture. Even network talk shows have jumped on the bandwagon. I myself have found myself down the rabbit hole of Ellen and Jimmy Fallon yes. on YouTube time and time again. Yes. Yes. The the nighttime talk shows have really started to gear so much content towards the fact that they know that people are not actually watching the show during late night the way they used to. And so they put clips up from from the people that are interviewed, but then they also have like web extras. Like I know that Jimmy Fallon's show definitely does this because I subscribe to his channel. Um, so I can watch the clips from the show from the night before, but also they will do these little extras where they're just special backstage interviews with the people who go on the tonight show. And it's only available on YouTube. Super interesting shift in the way people watch TV because of the YouTube phenomenon. Exactly. And then another phenomenon within YouTube would be gaming channels. Yes. And we are talking straight up people recording themselves, playing video games with or without commentary, publishing it on YouTube, and people going nuts for it. The most subscribed YouTube channel in the world is PewDiePie, PewDiePie. a gamer. I actually do know who PewDiePie is. So I feel like I'm ahead of the game on this one point. <laughs> he has an insane amount of, of subscribers. PewDiePie has 38 million subscribers. That's really incredible. I mean, that's really awesome, actually, to think that he has built a channel and career for himself. Does he only do gaming videos? Well... I poked around on his channel a little bit. 
um, just in preparation for today. And it looks like he does some other things every now and again, but it mostly is a gaming channel. He uses strong language. I don't think I would necessarily recommend that you suggest them to your children. Yeah, it's not a kid's channel for sure, even though that he does do gaming. And that's the, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. That is the tricky part about kids and YouTube. This is kind of going to get into some of what I was going to um, say to our listener, but you do have to be aware that just because a channel has content that seems to be geared for kids does not mean it is safe for kids. And we'll talk about that more in just a minute because that's a really important thing for parents to know as their kids are getting into this. Okay, anything else from your YouTube 101 list that we need to cover? I don't think so. I know that your daughters are really into some gaming channels. Yes. So did you want to expound on that? Yeah. Um, Well, I just wanted to make mention of that. That is what got my girls into the whole YouTube culture, even before they discovered vloggers and uh, the different things that they are into now. They are still really into YouTube because of Minecraft videos, specifically Minecraft videos. My girls both love Minecraft. They have for years. I don't even know how these two found out that you could watch Minecraft videos on YouTube. I'm thinking that somebody at school must have told them. But they found some of the really well-known Minecraft gamers on YouTube, like Stampy Cat is a really big one. Now, he is uh, safe for kids and so popular. So many kids watch his videos. They're so dumb. I, like, cannot even be in the room, (laughs) hardly, when they are watching him, I bless his heart, and he's doing great for himself. I mean, he is annoying all the way to the bank, I think. But I just I cannot <laughs> stand to listen to the way he does his shows. But they eat it up. They love it. Another one who they have found and who has actually kind of been a gateway to some other Minecraft uh, video gamers is somebody I really, I actually really do admire and respect her so much. Uh, her channel is I Has Cupquake. Her name's Tiffany, and she is a girl gamer. And I just, I so appreciate the fact that she really, in a lot of ways, pioneered the way for girl gamers, particularly in the Minecraft realm, because she took this um, field that can sometimes seem like it's all guys or boys who are into it and really made it really fun for girls, not in a like cutesy, giggly kind of way for girls, but just made it really fun. She is a fun personality. She and her husband, Red, do a lot of videos together. In fact, she has expanded way beyond Minecraft. She does baking. She does fun hair and makeup tutorials. She does that cosplay makeup stuff that I don't know. I don't get it, but it's really popular. Um, But I just, I love the fact that women like her, and like I said, they have, uh, the girls have found other channels through her, are really making it cool and fun for girls to be into these things that normally were really geared towards boys. But you know, Rebecca, before we wrap up the show, there is one thing that I definitely want to go back to and circle back to is the idea that you can monetize, make money, make a profit, in fact, make a career out of creating content, creating videos specifically for your YouTube channel. In fact, okay, so we talked about Rhett and Link and Good Mythical Morning. These are two men who left their uh, careers in engineering, which they have their college degrees in, moved to LA and started a production company 
so that they could create Good Mythical Morning. And they like, not only do they support their own families with their YouTube revenue, they have hired a staff and it's not a small staff. There's like, they have like, what, 10 people working for them, I think? Something like that is impressive. It's not just like three of them. Right. They have started all of this and it's all due to their YouTube channel. So let's talk a little bit about how exactly does this YouTube revenue business work? Well, basically it's all coming from ad revenue. I I shouldn't say it's all coming from ad revenue. That's a big part of it. So Google displays ads on on the videos and creators receive a kickback for how many ad impressions they receive. Now, Channels can also do sponsored videos. Um, They can also have merchandise that they sell, such as maybe T-shirts or posters or mugs or anything like that. As I said before, YouTubers are stepping out into different forms of media. They're writing books. They're going on tour. So there really are lots of different streams for income. But the main one seems to be from ads. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, you got a little taste of that yourself. As we talked about back in episode nine of Sorta Awesome, that week, Rebecca had had a video that she had of a a tutorial that she had made for making a pop bottle sprinkler that she had just thrown out on YouTube a while ago. Um, A big site on Facebook, I think it was. Is that right? Yeah, it was one of those sites that does like the link baiting thing where they're like, you're not going to believe what happens next. And then you click on the video to see what, because you just have to see. (laughs) You just have to see it. And a lot of people clicked through to Rebecca's pop bottle sprinkler video. And you got a little taste of what it's like to have a video go viral for you and what that kind of revenue looked like. So can I actually twist your arm a little bit and ask you, I mean, I know this is kind of like secret information for a lot of content creators, how much money they make off different things. But would you be willing to share with us uh, how many views that video ended up getting? And then what was your revenue like from that? Sure. Um, back in episode nine, when I first talked about this, we I was hoping that my video would reach 100,000 views. And because the traffic had really slowed down to that video, I didn't think that it was... I thought it might take quite a while, but I can report now that as of today, my video has over 156,000 views. Wow, that's amazing. That is totally awesome. (laughs) It really is pretty crazy. It's been a lot of fun. With how much I admire YouTube, it's been fun to kind of get more of this behind-the-scenes glimpse into how things work, and I've really enjoyed it. So for 156,000 views... I earned about $94. Okay. And that was on one video. Yes, that was one video. That's not a ton of money, but it certainly was a nice blessing in my bank account that I'm thankful for. I bet it was. Yes. But what I found the most fascinating about earning money from that video was then being able to kind of do the math and figure out, so how much are these other YouTubers potentially making. So I just looked at Good Mythical Morning, your favorite, my favorite. Yes. Two weeks ago, they had they released a video that had nearly 1,300,000 views. What? And at the same pay rate that I received, 
they would have earned about $800 from that video. Wow. Was that on just one of their regular, like, Good Mythical Morning shows? Just like... Yes. Oh, wow. And then their season finale, because they kind of do their show, like, in seasons. They're on break right now. But their season finale show, which was also just two weeks ago, that that video had nearly 2,600,000 views, which would have earned them potentially... $1,600. $1,600. Okay. And, you know, their seasons are not necessarily short. They they do create a lot of content. They've got Good Mythical Morning. They also have their Good Mythical More show, which is their, after the camera, you know, the camera doesn't actually cut off, but after the show ends, the camera keeps rolling and they talk about some more things related to the show for another 10 or 15 minutes. So I don't know if those get the same views as their regular morning show, but I mean, there's, that's not a small amount of money and you keep doing this day after day after day, week after week, and you can see how it can turn into a full-time income if you land with your audience and if you do the work to create these videos that people love and come back for every single day. Right. Good Mythical Morning Morning puts out five videos a week, which according to what I earned from my small um, viral blitz there, could potentially earn them $4,000 to $8,000 a week. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so again, you can see how this turns into a lucrative career for people, not just being goofy and not just putting a little puppy chasing a kitten on YouTube kind of video. I mean, right. can really, really become a career for people, which is so awesome when you think about, I mean, the thing about new media, all of these mediums, blogs and podcasts and YouTube, all of these different things have really changed so much in our culture because it has kind of done away with the gatekeeper mentality that used to rule media. Like if you wanted to be a celebrity of some kind, you had to either go to New York or LA. If you're in the US, you had to go to New York or LA. You had to go through the whole audition process. You had to land on a show. The show had to be successful. I mean, all of these things had to fall into place or you had to land a spot in a movie. The chances of you being able to be successful in that realm were infinitely small. Um, But now, because of the way new media works, all of these things, I mean, the same is true in blogging. Like, it used to be so difficult to be able to publish a book, to become a published author. But blogging and self-publishing and ebooks, all of that has changed the game for people who write. So, I don't know, I just think YouTube is a really fantastic look at the way our culture is shifting and the way people can truly come from nothing and have nothing but raw talent and determination and probably a little bit of luck along the way right? and really make something for themselves and make something of themselves. I don't know. When you really just step back and look at the big picture of what YouTube is doing, it's really amazing. Now, there's a lot of crazy stuff on there. There's a lot of stuff that is not appropriate for families, but there's some really cool things happening that are making it um, so possible for people to uh, to spread their message, and like I said, to just become uh, to be able to build a career on these things. Megan, you're not going to believe this, but PewDiePie, who I mentioned earlier as the most subscribed YouTuber in 2014, he made 7.5 million dollars. That's a lot of cash. <laughs> That's a lot of cash. <laughs> 
That's a lot. That's that's an almost unbelievable amount of money for <laughs> making YouTube videos. Crazy. It really is. makes my $94 not seem quite so impressive. <laughs> you know, you were just talking. This is so funny. This is how this is how much um, kids like tune into what's going on in YouTube culture. Uh, so you mentioned that one of the ways that that especially bigger names in YouTube can make money or have an income stream stream is through sponsorships, which, again, not um, unlike podcasts and blogging, those new media ways of making money. Well, a couple of months ago, uh, Dicey had just gotten out of the shower, and it happened to be when we, this never happens, but we happened to have in our shower shampoo, conditioner, and body wash that were all by Dove. And she got out of the shower, she was drying off, and she said, straight faced as can be, she was like, Mom, are we sponsored by Dove? <laughs> Which I just laughed for a long time because when you watch YouTube a lot, I mean, especially the people who are who are big enough to have sponsors, they'll talk about, you know, this video is sponsored by this company or whatever. And it was just so funny to me that that was so part of her vocabulary that she was like, well, we have a lot of Dove products. Are we sponsored by them? So, Oh, that's hilarious. So Dove, if you're listening, please call. We would love yes. to have you as sponsors. <laughs> So, oh my goodness. Oh, we haven't even gotten to, <laughs> we have not even gotten to the listener question. We're going to have to wrap up, but I did just have a few things that I wanted to speak to about kids and YouTube safety. Now, Rebecca, I know your kids are younger. They are maybe not quite as into YouTube culture yet. So, Right. Well, Grace was in this phase where she was watching, um, um, toy unboxing videos where yes. they basically unboxing just mean where they take out toys out of the box and they do these reviews. Um, Disney car toys is a channel that has yeah. over 2 million subscribers. They're absolutely huge. And I really can't stand them. I, I, <laughs> I actually pulled grace back and was really started restricting that because I found that she was becoming more materialistic talking about, dreaming of being able to go to Toys R Us. Why can't I have this? I want this. I want that. And it, although it's like geared towards kids, like you said before, it doesn't necessarily mean it's all appropriate for your kid. Right. So I tend to keep my kids more on like my PBS kids app uh, and try to, I'm, I'm in this process of trying to discourage their use of YouTube currently in my house. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And that's actually one of the things I was going to talk about to answer this listener question is, first of all, be aware of the fact that even if a show is totally appropriate for your kid, sometimes ads are shown on there that you may not be comfortable with. For me, I am shocked by how many ads for horror movies um, oh, yeah. get played before like a regular kids, like totally normal and totally fine kids show. But, and again, maybe, maybe my kids are sheltered because we don't have cable or I don't know. Um, it just, it bothers me. I do not like to watch previews for horror movies and I really don't want my girls to see that. And so that is something to be aware of. But also, like you said, the, those unboxing channels, they, they really can have, a, I think, a negative effect on kids because they do. They get you all, they get the kids all wound up like, I've got to have this because, I mean, those unboxers, they know exactly what they're doing. They make a huge deal of taking the things out and admiring them. I'll tell you what, over the summer, Daisy 
got a little bit into, not head over heels, but a little into the Shopkins fad. Are you familiar okay, with yeah. Shopkins? Mm-hmm. There are a ton of videos with Shopkins unboxing and these people who run the channels. I mean, they have the whole, the Shopkins come out in seasons, of course, because again, that gets kids wanting the newest season releases of these little miniature little toys or little cheap plastic toys that I'm like, why? I mean, she can, she can spend her money that she's earned from chores and various things on these things if she wants to, but I was like, oh my gosh, it's such a waste of money. Um, anyway, funny. I had the exact same experience. Grace, because of seeing these unboxing videos, was also asking me for Shopkins, and I looked them up to see, oh, should we put them on our Christmas list? And then I was like, but these are so lame. They're so... <laughs> what are you supposed to do with them? I know, and they're things that, that normally I think a kid would just pass by and be like, eh, whatever, but then you they see these unboxing videos, and it makes it into this really big ordeal to get a new thing and you get to have your own experience of unboxing your new purchases. I don't know. That's a really big problem. I feel like, so it's something definitely, especially if you have kids who are not familiar with YouTube yet, I'm with Rebecca. Try to steer clear of those unless you like shelling out all this money for (laughs) cheap crappy toys. Um, so the other thing is, you know, the most basic thing that you would want to do is at the bottom of the main YouTube screen, you can scroll down to the bottom. There's a place that talks about restricted search. You can turn on restricted search and that's going to make it to where when your kid goes to look up something on YouTube, it will not allow it to bring up any videos that have been flagged or um, labeled or tagged as inappropriate. So that's a good first step. I think every parent should do that. Another thing that I really like the idea of is to keep it all on a family account. Because Google owns YouTube, your YouTube account is connected to whatever your Google account is. So if you have a Gmail account, you've got a Google account. I like using a family account because of the way Google operates. Like I mentioned earlier in the show, they bring up suggestions based on what you've been searching for and watching. Well, that's a really great idea Um, a really great way to keep an eye on what your kids are searching and watching. Um, Another thing is just to, and this is just good computer safety in general, I think, is to make sure that the viewing device, whatever it is, if it's an iPod or an iPad or a computer, it's in the public space of your home so that kids are not sneaking off to their room to watch this or that, um, or putting in headphones so that they, uh, you know, they don't know what you're listening to, you know, just general things that you would do to keep an eye on what they're doing on the computer definitely apply to YouTube. Uh, my girls also know before they start watching a video from a new channel that they've never watched before. And so far they have not pushed back on this. They've been really good and really earned our trust on this is that I have to preview the channel first. I have to go through the videos. I have to, I look at the comments, uh, because goodness, the comment section, (laughs) The comments is horrible. I mean, there's some terrible stuff on the internet, but I think the comment section on YouTube might be the worst. It it has to be. Of all the bad stuff, it can be the worst. It's awful. So I will look at the comment section on on a random sampling of videos. And again, they know they have to be... uh, listening or watching where the parents are, are, you know, their mom and dad are around. So I'm always keeping an ear on what they've got going on. But so those are some of the big things you, you, I think previewing it yourself as an adult to decide if it's appropriate for your kid at the age level they're at is one of the best approaches to take. Um, because you know, what's appropriate for one family might be inappropriate in another. Um, 
my kids, like I've talked about on different shows, they go to public schools, they've heard things that, like they, they say crap, you know, and that's not an okay word in some families. And right. some parents might be like, that is not appropriate. We are not going to listen to that. For my kids, I'm like, I don't want to hear you saying it, but if it's on this video one or two times, okay. So it's totally, it's going to be a case-by-case thing for what's appropriate in your family. Um, So those are some of the things that came to mind for me. I found a great article. It's kind of a parent's guide to YouTube safety on Common Sense Media. I'm going to put that into the show notes so that if you want something a little bit more in-depth than what I'm talking about here, you can kind of sleuth it out a little bit more. But I just think that as with all computer supervision when you have kids this age, you just have to stay on top of things and keep checking in and have lots of conversations about trust and appropriateness and why you have the boundaries that you have and when they can earn privileges for different channels. All of those things play into how you keep YouTube safe for your kids. So anything you want to add to that, Rebecca? No, I think that's all just very, very smart. Okay. Okay, man, we had a lot to say about YouTube today. My goodness, who knew that there was so much to talk about about YouTube? I knew. I'm so obsessed. If you are listening and you have your own comments to add about what we've covered on the show, or maybe things that we didn't even think to talk about about the show, maybe you have a channel that you love that you want to share with us. Maybe your kids have a favorite channel whatever you'd like to tell us about today's show, you can tweet at me on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Meg. You can find us in the Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash group slash Sorta Awesome Hangout, and we'll be having discussions about it over there. Rebecca, remind everybody where they can find you if they want to talk to you about YouTube, because goodness knows you are the guru in this area. So where can we find you on the internet? I am at simplyrebecca.com and then simplyrebecca pretty much everywhere. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That's right. You make it easy for us, Simply Rebecca. Um, And just a quick reminder, too. We've talked so much, but I really don't want you to forget to go to the Tumblr, click on the survey link. It will only take you, I don't know, Rebecca, what, like three minutes, if that long? Oh, yeah. It's real quick. It's really quick. To fill out the survey, that that will help us so much as we plan for the future of Sorta Awesome. So thanks so much for joining us today at Sorta Awesome. Don't forget that show notes for this and every single episode are available at the Tumblr, sortaawesomemegan.tumblr.com. And while you're there, like I said, you can click on that Ask Us link and you can submit your questions for us to gab on and on about on an upcoming episode. If you're enjoying this show, it would be really radically awesome if you would take the time to subscribe, to rate, to review the show in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or if that's not your thing, tell a friend about the show. We'd kind of love that too. Um, As always, I have to give a shout out to the band Prager for allowing us to use the song Strut for our in and out music. To find out more about Prager's nasty beats and pretty chords, go to progermusic.com. And I'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death 
in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games.